Welcome back. Welcome to the All Our Themes podcast, the uninformed and yet equally opinionated gander into the sporting world. As always, my name is Alistair Kirk, and once again, I am joined by my two fantastic co-hosts. First up, if his surname was Sweat, he would not have called his son Richard. It's Jack Green. <laughs> Good evening, guys. And across the pond, thousand miles away in person, but very close to our hearts, he is just back from a weekend away with Lou Williams. It's Jeremy Curo. Hey, boys. On this week's show, we will take a look at the news from the past week or so. We will play a game of Sign Me Maybe. We once again tell you who the future of sport is, and we delve into some of our favourite top threes. But, boys, I am hungover, and therefore I would like to talk some sports. So let's kick off with the news. And we start, as we do often, with the NFL and the news that eight New England Patriot players have opted out from the upcoming 2020 NFL season. Now, at the time of recording, the following players will not suit up in the coming months. They are wide receiver Marquise Lee, who had his first child in February, running back Brandon Bolden, safety Patrick Chung, who is expecting his second child, linebacker Dante Hightower, who is the eight-year veteran, three-time Super Bowl champion with the Patriots. Uh, he has just become a father, and his mother is high-risk, uh, suffering with diabetes. Now, offensive tackle Marcus, uh, Marcus Cannon, who's been on the team since 2011, has also won three Super Bowls. He is a cancer survivor, guard uh, Najee Torin, fullback Dan Vital, and then today, tight end Matt Lacrosse joined the ever-growing list of players opting out. Patriots head coach and quarterback whisperer himself, Bill Belichick, has come out and stated, and I quote, I respect them all. I respect all the players on our team. We all have to make decisions. Boys, the amended uh, collective bargaining agreement between the league and the NFL Players Association has allowed for players to opt out, NFL.com are reporting that players who do will receive a uh, fixed payment of $150,000. However, those who are high risk, such as Marcus Cannon, will be eligible for a payout of $350,000. Players have until August 4th to inform teams of their decision to opt out and will not be counted towards an organization's active roster. We spoke last week of uh, Laurent Duverney-Tardif of the Chiefs opting out. Uh, at this time, there's a total of 35 players, including... Packers wide receiver Devin Funchess and uh, New York Giants offensive lineman Nate Solder. Jack, your uh, fantasy football team has taken an absolute battering from this. Uh, so why don't you start uh, with uh, the Patriots seemingly losing players with each day? First of all, fucking fantastic that the Patriots are going to be down eight players. Let's face it, we're all pretty fucking happy about it. Some huge names not going to be playing this season. More importantly, of course, before I get into the the main part of that is you know the guys have obviously made a very important decision for them and for their families and i applaud that completely we covered that last week but good for us chung and hightower are massive cannon is massive marquise lee was potentially a solution and wide receiver that they've been looking for for a long time that it the, the pats defense last year was the reason why they made the playoffs their offense was horrendous by comparison anyway um so to lose names like that in their in their defense is yeah it's fantastic uh, as a as a bills fan and, and jeremy i'm sure you feel the same way as a jets fan to for the pats to be under strength as a a, a competitive team um jets uh dolphins and bills will all be 
pretty happy about that. More on obviously the opting out side of things. It's it's there obviously is a growing list, and at the moment we're the third today, so one more day potentially some more names to drop out. Um, slightly away from the the Patriots, Damian Williams being the probably one of the biggest names to uh, to opt out of the season, um, making a very interesting situation in the backfield for Kansas City. Um, and yes, that did massively affect my dynasty team. But uh, I think it's the right decision for for people, and uh, every case is is different to to the next. So it's a shame to lose such talent from from the league. But as we've kind of alluded to with baseball in the past, there is the opportunity now for younger players to potentially step up and have an opportunity, or players who will be brought in from free agency too. So you never know; we might find some new uh, pro bowlers or or new heroes in in the Patriots this season. Jeremy, uh, you've made it known that you uh, dislike the fact that we have to constantly talk about COVID-19, which I am in complete agreement uh, with you on. Uh, however, will this pandemic uh, inadvertently help the Jets because of this? Uh, just give me a moment here. I need to wipe away my tears for that I feel for the <laughs> Patriots in this. Uh, one name that got left off that list, Jack, was uh, Jets star linebacker CJ Mosley, who after becoming the highest paid linebacker in the league, will in two years have played just two quarters of a game. It is a shame. Not that I care about the Patriots, but uh, their new signing signee, Marquise Lee, was a stud wide receiver at my beloved USC Trojans. So I was hoping he would have a bit of a breakout year, even if it is for the Patriots. It's not going to happen this year. doesn't mean it won't happen eventually. But uh, yeah, same thing as our, our buddy on the Chiefs last week. Good for them, man. Focusing on other things is more important. Well, we imagine that this list will grow ever longer as time ticks on. Now, sticking with the NFL, uh, free agent wide receiver Antonio Brown has been suspended eight games for violating the NFL's rock-solid personal conduct policy. Now, this is if he signs for a team. Uh, now, Brown has been involved in an ongoing investigation into accusations of sexual misconduct, with ESPN reporting that Brown also pleaded no contest in June to a felony burglary with battery charge and two lesser misdemeanor charges related to a January incident with a moving truck company outside his home in Hollywood, Florida. Sounds like a laugh. Uh, now, Brown's agent has uh, surprisingly said he won't appeal, which uh, it's probably because he's guilty. Now, Brown was traded by the Pittsburgh Steelers, a team that he was on the roster uh, for nine seasons, to the then Oakland Raiders in 2019, having himself disrupted a potential trade to Jack's beloved Buffalo Bills. Uh, Brown then proceeded to fall out with the Raiders, go in a huff with the league over a helmet, attempted to attack GM Mike Mayock, and was then released. Uh, he signed a one-year deal with the aforementioned New England Patriots, but was cut after only one game due to his off-field misdemeanors. Uh, Seven-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro. Yes, boys, Antonio Brown. He's always in the news, and it's never for positives. Uh, yeah, it sounds like instead of Antonio Brown, his name should be Ed Case. But <laughs> uh, it, it's so difficult because if you want to sign Antonio Brown, you probably want to do it right away to get the eight-game suspension over with so that he can play at the end of the season and for a playoff run, but you also want all the information that you can get before signing him so what do you do uh the guy is shown he's a bit of a lunatic uh how much of that was just an act to get out of pittsburgh and to get out of oakland i'm not sure but there clearly are some issues there uh a couple teams that come to mind that that could sign him i know russell wilson has been very pro signing of antonio brown as has lamar jackson 
Will he go to Seattle or Baltimore? Could take either of those teams over the over, over the top, but those are both teams who uh, put a lot of importance on on culture. And Antonio Brown is not exactly a man you want to bring in when you're trying to build a strong culture. So I don't know. Will he get signed? Uh, probably. He was basically suspended all last season unofficially anyway. So uh, knowing how the NFL works and what a lot of those guys value, I'm sure he'll be back sooner than later. Yeah, as you alluded to there, Jeremy, uh, Baltimore Ravens franchise quarterback Lamar Jackson uh, was quoted by uh, ESPN as stating that he hopes the Ravens do indeed sign Brown. Uh, Brown's cousin is the current Ravens wide receiver Marquise Hollywood Brown. Jack, Antonio Brown, Ravens, can you see it happening? I hope not. The guy's clearly a, a poison chalice. That's the, the way that I'd think of him. Like Jeremy said, <laughs> the, everywhere he's gone since leaving Pittsburgh and including leaving Pittsburgh he's just made a complete joke of it all like the the money that trying to get money out of the contracts that he's walked away from or committed all sorts of acts to end up getting kicked off um the one thing I thought maybe be quite funny is if Pat if the Pats keep on losing this many players maybe he'll go back like maybe <laughs> there'll be a point of being so desperate that he goes back to the Patriots not that he'd do any help for the the first half of the season it would be great to see him back in the league he's obviously incredibly talented um but it would need to be at a in a situation where all of this shit stops he just needs to be, go back to being a football player. Um, realistically, I think it may end up being a team that ends up having injuries or someone that's severely desperate in the in the wide receiver room that ends up taking him and, and hoping that he keeps himself in some sort of order uh, before the end of the eight-game ban. Yeah, as you say, you say there, Jack, it will be very interesting to see if he does indeed sign for a team and if he can stay out of the news. Quick quiz question for you before we move on from the NFL. Uh, would anyone like to guess... Uh, what Lamar Jackson's pre-game meal is each week? Chicken nuggets. <laughs> it's a shrimp Alfredo pasta, which is, um, mm. I can't think of anything worse before going out and playing four quarters of football because I don't like shrimp. And I, <laughs> I also, uh, pasta just goes right through me. The listeners didn't want to hear that, but I just thought it was important to bring up. Uh, Jeremy. Quick story for you. Uh, in high school football, I once ate a full spaghetti meal at my friend Yale's parents' house and then uh, went back to throw it up right before the game. So <laughs> big ups to Lamar Jackson for being able to keep pasta down. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, but yeah, we will see what happens to Antonio Brown, and we will see if Lamar Jackson can keep eating shrimp. Boys, let's move on to the NBA. And Jeremy, the NBA is back after four months. It returned on Thursday night uh, with all games being played, as we know, in Orlando, Florida. Now, the league has returned uh, with an average of uh, 2.9 million viewers. Uh, 3.4 million watched the Lakers-Clippers game the other night. A quick couple of notes that I just jotted down for uh, results. My beloved sons uh, returned, beating the Wizards one. 25-112, hashtag Arizona2020. Uh, Jeremy, your beloved Toronto Raptors with a 107-92 win over the Lakers. And the Thunder blowing out a really poor Utah Jazz. Jeremy, you love the NBA. I love the NBA. It's good to have it back. Amazing. Yesterday, I sat on my couch and watched every game that was on. I think maybe I missed um, some of one of them, but it felt like an NFL Sunday. It was just games from 1 o'clock until 11.30 at night. Uh, capped off with the Raptors. Really, really impressive win over the Lakers. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really nice, and, and everything seems to be going pretty smoothly, too, apart from uh, Lou Williams, uh, a.k.a. the Tim of the NBA, getting busted at the strip club. 
Uh, there, there hasn't seemed to have been too many issues, so hopefully they can keep it going like that. Well, it does bring on to the wider question, and once again, we end up going back to COVID-19. Uh, but that is um, the NBA. Has it shown the world how to operate a sporting bubble of the 344 players that were tested for COVID-19? Not one has resulted in a positive outcome. We will go on shortly to a sport that has not dealt with COVID-19 well. So, Jeremy, as you said, the bubble is working. Um, the games are back. Um, so, yep, is this how to show the world how to work a bubble? And has have you seen any surprises or any letdowns in the in the short uh days that we've had of basketball uh not really uh one thing i noticed is kyle lowry on the raptors hit the floor like eight nine ten times a game he just works so hard and busts into people and and drives so fast to the hoop he just constantly falling over and taking charges so that was pretty amusing it's it's impressive how well they've done it but the champions league sorry not the champions league the premier league seems to be doing a pretty good job and they're not operating in a bubble are they uh it's kind of like a weird bubble is it not jack I think each individual team is in a bubble. Yeah. Oh, okay. They're not yeah. all in one central location like the NBA. No, no. Unlike, yeah, a certain other sport that isn't doing so well. Yes, indeed. Yeah, the uh, bubble does appear to be working. Players have uh, said that they're enjoying their time in the bubble. And as I, I believe we have stated on this podcast previously, uh, players have actually come out and said that they feel safer within the bubble than they did when they were in their own establishments. And Players like Lou Williams, who breach protocols, uh, do have to isolate on their return. Jack, uh, you're maybe not the biggest follower of the NBA, but it's another sport that's returned. Um, it's a bubble that appears to be working. And uh, yeah, there's sports out there that could learn a lot from the NBA and the Premier League. No, you're completely right. I think they've they've obviously nailed it. At this point, they, they, they seem to be doing very well, especially to considering they are in a state that is rife with COVID-19. So um, hats off to the NBA for a great job and hopefully they can continue in the same way and as I said others can learn from uh, their example well a sporting outfit that could certainly learn from the NBA's example is Major League Baseball a sport that is not operating a bubble but has also returned now the league is operating home and away games the season started in July just past uh, and already uh, the MLB is trying to rival Novak Djokovic for infecting as many people with COVID-19 as they possibly can. Jack, you just mentioned it there. Florida is rife with COVID-19 and 20 members of the Miami Marlins uh, baseball team have tested positive. That's 18 players and two staff members. Uh, now, CBS have reported that on August 1st, uh, Milwaukee Brewers star Lorenzo Kane became the latest player to opt out of the league. Uh, Jack, your favourite uh, Philadelphia Phillies. Now, they have not played since sharing the field with the Marlins, uh, this being a precaution. However, so far, no player on their roster has tested positive and they are slated to return in a couple of days. Uh, the most recent team to reveal positive results for COVID-19 uh, were the St. Louis Cardinals, who had their uh, game against the aforementioned Milwaukee Brewers postponed. That was one player and a number of staff testing positive. Jeremy, baseball has returned, similar time to the NBA. Uh, we've just spoken very highly of the NBA, but I don't think we can do the same for baseball. They've done no sort of bubble, and I think it's become obvious that that's just not going to work when you take that approach. It's disappointing, but uh, they seem to be pushing on, and they're going to try and finish it. So whether that means a lot of teams just play more games than others, then I, that's still better than just cancelling it. I mean, you might as well ride it out. It's going to be a weird year no matter what. Uh, 
fuck, just go for it. I like that they're continuing, but as long as things don't get too bad and it starts becoming too concerning. Yeah, it does appear, Jack, that unfortunately doing home and away games in the United States right now isn't working. ESPN uh, reporting that the MLB commissioner, Rob Manfred, has spoken to the Players Association, stating that the MLB could shut the season down if things do not improve. Jack, do you see things improving? No, the whole thing's a, a bit of a joke, to be honest. Um, Miami have clearly decided to completely ignore any protocols that have been put in. Um, it, it supposedly has stemmed from a preseason trip to, believe it or not, Atlanta, where I'm sure they met up with Lou Williams for a oh, dance yeah. or two, where they've basically just made a complete mockery of anything that they've been told to do, and the entire team's ended up with COVID-19. The problem for me is all of those teams that you've mentioned are, are from different parts of the country. You know, Milwaukee, um, Philadelphia, St. Louis, Atlanta and Miami or the entire of Florida is, isn't exactly the closest set of teams. Um, so that is spreading it across the country even further. So it's, it's deeply concerning. It's I mean, for the teams that have followed protocol and they've they've kept it, clearly the games are OK, they're, they're keeping safe. And it's great, like Jeremy said, that the sport is still continuing. But there is a very, you know, it's on a knife edge, isn't it? If it continues any to get any worse, they have to shut that thing down. They've, it's too dangerous. There's too many people going to end up getting hurt or at least potentially spreading it. So um, very, very disappointing. The most disappointing thing for me I, I read up today is that the players that have contracted COVID-19 from that preseason trip to Atlanta are not going to be disciplined in any way. Uh, how can they justify doing that? How can the league come out and say they're thinking about shutting the league down, but they're not going to discipline discipline players who have gone and breached the rules? It's it's pathetic. I'm talking about commissioners recently in a pod, um, obviously. And Jeremy, you mentioned yourself that maybe uh, they'd budged, uh, botched. Sorry, the uh, the talks in the MLB. Um, there's clearly a lack of uh, a lack of power from the commissioner there because he's. Or has definitely got not got any respect because it's not working out very well just now. Yeah, it's interesting what you say there, Jack. Uh, Andy Murray has come out and said that for the U.S. Open tennis, he wants uh, any players who breach uh, a bubble within that tournament uh, to be uh, to be disciplined severely for breaching any bubble conditions. And as we saw in the Premier League, Watford Football Club had to stand down three of their players who had attended a large social gathering uh, which breached government uh, rulings. And those were three players that really could have helped a Watford team that uh, were fighting for the survival and ultimately failed. A league shutdown would, however, benefit uh, me because uh, my beloved Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, well, they look like they're playing with COVID-19, having uh, watched uh, three or four of their highlights now. Um, It's been nothing short of a shambles, and my hashtag Arizona 2020 has clearly not reached uh, Chase Field. Uh, Boys, the NBA is a great example of a working bubble. The MLB is a great example of what uh, happens when there's no bubble at all. Anything else on the MLB, or shall we move on? Nah. All right, let's take it closer to home if you're called Alistair Kirk, and that is the return of Scottish Premiership football. The season kicked off this weekend with bitter rivals Aberdeen and Rangers tussling out uh, with Rangers winning the game 1-0. In other results, the other side of Edinburgh, also known as Hibernian, they saw a win against uh, Kilmarnock. St Mirren beat the last year's surprise outfit and also king of outlet shopping malls Livingston 1-0. Fun fact for you, Jeremy. Livingston play in a stadium that is called the Tony Macaroni Arena 
thanks to sponsorship. <laughs> uh, and also, it's uh, nicknamed the Spaghetti Had, which is in uh, tribute to the Etihad. <laughs> Uh, constant uh, overachiever St. Johnston they uh, drew 1-1 with uh, the team that replaced my beloved heart of Midlothian Dundee United and uh, Ross County will play tomorrow night against Jeremy's favourite metal band Motherwell now another fun fact for you Jeremy on this uh, seminar on Scottish football uh, Ross County play in a town called Dingwall now their stadium has a thousand more seats in it than there is people in the town of Dingwall so Ross County are huh. clearly trying to make it as difficult as they can to sell out that stadium. Uh, Jack, Scottish football's back just after English football finished. Uh, Celtic are going for 10 in a row. Uh, I am a Hearts fan. I am certainly not an, an old firm fan. Um, so I may go on a little rant in a few minutes. But yeah, Scottish football's back. What's your thoughts after the first round of games? It's a good opportunity for Scottish football to showcase itself. Um, the rest of Europe is closing down the leagues are, are coming to an end and there'll be a month or so uh, in between the the end and the restart for the new season. So Scot Scottish football, or at least Scottish Premier League, has a, a, real, a real opportunity to show the world what it's made of and why people would want to invest or spend time watching it. Um, unfortunately for me, I do feel like you're going to get exactly the same season of uh, that has been since Rangers got back into the league. Um, it's a carbon copy of of the old firm dominating and other teams around it either not being able to afford to keep up or just not having good enough players wanting to play for them. Um, Aberdeen's supposed to be the closest thing to, and they gave Rangers a good go on Saturday morning. But yeah, uh, it doesn't look great for me. I think the only thing that could possibly spring a surprise is Rangers taking the title, taking away the 10 from Celtic. Really, Scottish football needs to have there needs to be more investment into the, the smaller teams and, and losing teams like Hearts to relegation is, is going to do nothing but take away from that. Not that it's anyone other than Hearts' fault, sorry, mate, um, that they got relegated. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's going to be another another exact same season. And uh, unfortunately, for anyone that isn't an old firm fan, it will be a fairly boring. Yes, well, Celtic went out today and beat bottom feeders Hamilton Academical 5-1. Uh, yes, Jeremy, to put into perspective, since the mid-1980s, there are only two teams that have ever succeeded in the Scottish Premiership, that being Celtic and the other team being their bitter, bitter, bitter rivals, Rangers. Celtic are going for 10 in a row in the league. They're going for yet another treble treble, so that's winning the league, the League Cup and the Scottish Cup. Uh, and it would be, I don't know, their eighth millionth trophy in the last 100 years. It's not a good thing, if you ask me. Now, I'm, I, I'm a Hearts fan. I'm a passionate Hearts fan. I'm also very passionate in Scottish football being more than just the old firm. Our TV deal is with Sky Sports here in the United Kingdom, and they only ever show games that involve the old firm. How a kid growing up in a small town somewhere in Scotland is going to support their local team when all they see is Rangers and Celtic week in, week out, I do not know. For me, and this will offend old firm fans out there, but, or sorry, Celtic fans, I should say more specifically, I don't think 10 in a row, it's that impressive. Celtic are by far the richest team in Scotland. They make the Champions League every year. They have the best players. They have the best training facilities. Jack, you said it. Aberdeen are meant to be the next best thing. Their budget is minute compared to Celtic's. Celtic should be winning. They play in a league with Ross County, with Hamilton, with Livingston, 
with Motherwell, with Kilmarnock. These are not teams that are going to achieve anything. My beloved Heart of Midlothian should have done better than we did last season, but we're never going to win the title. And yes, I'm sorry, but unless you're a Celtic fan, winning 10 in a row really isn't that exciting. My predictions, I think Hibs will have a good season. I think Hamilton will remain the worst team in in the Scottish Premiership and still manage to avoid relegation because they do it every single year. And I do think Ross County will ultimately go down. Jeremy, Scottish football, uh, your beloved Motherwell, how's it going to go? That's rough, man. That's my one sort of issue with with the way sports are, or a lot of sports in Europe, is that it's just the same teams over and over and over and over. And I'm sort of going to get into something slightly similar in one of our later segments but yeah that sucks man because you just sort of know your team's never gonna be there there's not not a lot that can be done yeah and and because we don't operate in a draft system and we don't have salary caps mm-hmm. uh, you know celtic and rangers they are the two biggest clubs and i'm not going to deny that they are the biggest clubs they have the biggest fan base uh in in, in scotland and you know they're always going to succeed but yeah i know if i'm going to go to time castle ultimately it's it's for us it's beating Hibernian and that's it and that's yeah. maybe a bit of a sad state of affairs anyway before I continue on my high horse and uh, really alienate more fan bases uh, well let's just move uh, to the FA Cup in which I'm just going to alienate fan bases uh, because Arsenal have won the FA Cup despite being the most self-destructive team in England uh, beating Chelsea 2-1 in what I like to refer to as the Sophie's Choice Derby as I am a Spurs fan now Jack, I didn't actually watch the game. I've also not seen any highlights. And on my notes in front of me, the only other words I've written are I hate and it. So maybe you could uh, try and be a little bit more... uh, Well, you're not a Spurs fan, so you might be less biased in your opinion. Yeah, definitely. Um, It was actually one of the best FA Cup finals I've seen in a long time. Very competitive, really good game of football. Um, And the, the winning goal was something pretty special from Aubameyang. Um, Arsenal, though, it is it is Arsenal all over, making themselves look half-decent at the end of a bad season by winning a cup, and um, they'll continue on to, to be considered one of the better teams in our Premier League, um, obviously guaranteeing Europe along the way, um, so it'll be another Europa League season for them. Uh, I think there's got to be some praise for for Arteta for the way that he's run his team and and for them to have a, a good run at the end of the season. To be fair, since we've come back, they have looked at times a decent side. Um, the main problem now is holding on to players like Aubameyang, who who is coming into a contract year, I believe. And why would he stay? To me, but Arsenal seem to pull it out the hat every now and then. Um, there's a lot of work to be done. Arsenal, but a very good cup win against what is actually a very good Chelsea side, and nice to watch an entertaining game of football for once because, yeah, there's not been too many recently. Yeah, it's a shame uh, nobody was in the stadium to watch it live. Uh, yes, Arteta, he's doing a good job with Arsenal. I have to say, I, I admire, uh, I, I admire him as a coach, and uh, yeah, it's more of an indictment on Spurs than anything else that. Uh, we still remain trophyless after all these years. Jeremy, anything on Arsenal, Chelsea? Uh, no. Brilliant. <laughs> Another bit of footballing news. <laughs> Sorry for this, Jeremy. We're just going to keep on with the football for a couple of more minutes. Oh, I don't um, mind. 
championship playoff final will be between Brentford and Fulham uh, as the two London-based teams attempt to become the third team promoted to the Premier League for next season and uh, therefore will become the sixth London-based team in the Premier League. Uh, now, Brentford have never been in the Premier League and 10 years ago they were playing in the fourth tier of English football. Uh, however, we've seen this before and uh, a team that we're going to talk about very shortly were once in a similar predicament before spending time in the Premier League. Uh, Fulham most recently being there in the 2018-19 season. Uh, Jerry, very quick quiz question for you. Uh, what area of London do Chelsea play in? South? It's Fulham. Chelsea play in ah. Fulham because that's obvious. <laughs> uh, and I thought another quiz question I could put out to both of you uh, was just to name the teams that have never been relegated from the English Premier League. There's, uh, there is uh, s- uh, seven. I can't count. I think I might be able to do this. Right, do it, Jack. Jack, go. Actually, no, Jeremy. Jeremy, you go first. Jeremy, you go first. You want me to yeah, go? Yeah, you go first. What, one at a time or all of them? Uh, yeah, name all seven. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, I'll get seven. Uh, okay, Chelsea. Okay. Uh, b- both Manchester teams. Okay. Tottenham. Okay. Arsenal. Okay. A- and who's another big team? Ah, oh, Liverpool. Uh, so you've gone for Chelsea, the two Manchester teams, Spurs, Arsenal, and Liverpool. Jacques Green. You're not far off, to be fair. Um, so yeah, Arsenal, Chelsea, Everton, Liverpool, Manchester United. Brighton, and the last one is Tottenham. That is correct. So no, Jeremy, uh, we we may hey, that's we right. may mock, but you yeah, absolutely nailed that. That was brilliant. Uh, you know, indeed, Liverpool, Everton, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, Hotspur, Manchester United have never been relegated since the inception of the Premier League in 1992. Brighton and Hove Albion were promoted for the first time in 2017. They remain in the league, and because that was their first time in the league, they have never been relegated. Uh, Jack, quick word on this one. Uh, it, it would be great to see Brentford in the Premier League. They might be a bit out of their depth, but uh, Huddersfield did it, Bournemouth did it, so who's to say they can't do it? Yeah, definitely. I'd love to see Brentford be the team. Um, Fulham have, you know, made such a mess of it in the last few years of, of having a go. They obviously came up a couple of years ago and spent 150 million on players and, and still got relegated, completely changed everything and ended up sacking the manager that got them up in the first place. So they um, just, yeah, uh, not so much respect for Fulham. Uh, and Brentford are, are an exciting team to watch. They're, you know, they play nice football and they've got a lot of young, you know, promising players that could really make a difference in the league. So, yeah, I'm all for Brentford in the playoff final and uh, hopefully they get the win. We will see if they will become the sixth London team in the league next uh, season. Last bit of football news. Eddie Howe has left Bournemouth. Uh, Bournemouth relegated at the end of this season. Um he has left by mutual consent, as so often is the case. He managed over 450 games in his two spells as Bournemouth manager. He took a sabbatical to uh, become banner salesman at Burnley. Um, Howe also played 200 games uh, as a player for Bournemouth. He took them all the way from League Two up to the Premier League, where they were there for five years. Uh, Jack, we actually, well, the three of us had a wee chat about this on our WhatsApp group. Um, I'd said that on another podcast, uh, the presenter of that, Barry Glendening, had said he thought how he looked ill, if anything, and should leave. Um, he's had a nice run. He's been there for, for years. He's left He's left a hero of the club, but uh, it was probably time for him to go. Yeah, it was coming to it anyway. So even if they'd stayed up, I think maybe the conversation would have been there. 
I think it's the right move for the club and the manager. Um, some very interesting things coming out of the club just now in terms of a potential lawsuit regarding the relegation uh, as of uh, the VAR decision that happened in the first game of the, the restart. Um, so I would imagine Bournemouth is not the best place to be for a manager looking to further his career right now. So good for all. Yeah, as a supporter of a team who has uh, got into a messy lawsuit, I would recommend that Bournemouth don't bother. Jeremy, Eddie Howe? I'm going to totally change subjects. Is Tottenham your only good team that you support? Uh, they're not that good. They're really not that good. Are they not? No. no. Oh, okay. when I, st- when I, I just know their name, so I figure they're good. Yeah. And I saw them in no, the airport are, that time. They, they're good, but they're yeah, not right. Like, I mean, we fi- you know we finished second a couple of years ago. We were the main challenger you know, against Leicester before we... Sh- shit the bed uh but no when i started supporting spurs uh which i will you know uh, i'll bring them up a little later in another segment but mm-hmm. spurs were finishing anywhere between 9th and 14th regularly so, oh shit okay yeah i guess because their games are on here a lot i just assume they're good. yeah they spurs have fairly yeah. become a different brand over the last few years that's for sure um well that was a very substantial f- uh, football piece so a massive apologies to anyone who doesn't like football who listened to that but hopefully you enjoyed it nonetheless it's good for them to learn exactly it, it, it's mm. an education if anything for me too exactly obviously yeah. i have no no slight clue <laughs> And yet, you still managed to name most of the teams that have ever been relegated. So yeah, you're, true. You're actually, I'm giving yourself a hard time one. there, Jeremy. Um, boys, uh, just to continue alienating people, I'll just thought I'd very quickly uh, make this about me again and talk about my beloved BTCC, uh, the greatest motor racing series of them all. Returned this weekend. I watched it all day today, and it was fantastic. Uh, Dan Camish won race one. He uh, had a heartbreaking uh, end to last season. He was. Two laps away from winning the title, only for his brakes to fail. And as he careered into a tyre wall, he realised that his dreams had been taken away from him. Uh, Four-time champion uh, Colin Turkington won race two, and fan favourite Ash Sutton winning race three. I watched all day. It was glorious, and it helped my hangover. Um, Let's move on to tennis. Jeremy. Can we get back? I just want to give a shout-out to my boy, Kenny who is a big BTCC fan. Now... And we thought you'd be excited to I hear that. I am very excited to hear this, and I believe Kenny actually uh, made contact with us on social media, to, uh, mm-hmm. which is brilliant. So Kenny is Canadian? Yeah, yeah, he lives in Calgary. Amazing, and loves the BTCC. Well, I am very... Uh, this is brilliant. So Kenny, thank you for being yet another fan of the BTCC, because it's funny, uh, one of my really close friends, Michael, uh, we go to the race up in, up in Knockhill every year. We've been following the sport since we were kids. And, you know, you go to the races and there's 50,000 people there. And yet you never meet anyone else that likes the sport in, in general <laughs> life. You only ever meet people who <laughs> like the sport when you're actually at the event itself. It's mysterious. Um, and yeah, so 50,000 people go every weekend. And yet I've... Yeah, never meet them. No idea who they are. We are obviously all just in our anoraks. Boys, let's move on to tennis. I thought we could talk about Nick Kyrgios, who we uh, spoke about in a... Uh, was it episode one, episode two? The Aussie, uh, he's been on a rampage for some time. He has withdrawn from the 2020 US Open, uh, citing Jeremy's favourite COVID-19 uh, as the reason for leaving. Now, he did so while having yet another dig at Novak Djokovic's ill-fated, uh, ill-fated even, COVID uh, Open. Uh, Kyrgios uh, has an ongoing feud with Alexander uh, Zverev, who played at said tournament. Now, in announcing uh, his withdrawal from the US Open, Kyrgios stated he had no issue with the competition going ahead per se. 
Uh, but he did say, and I quote, so long as everyone acts appropriately and acts safely, you can't be dancing on tables, money grabbing your way around Europe or trying to make a quick buck hosting an exhibition. That's just selfish. Act responsibly, which uh, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know who he's talking about there. Guys, I want to ask the question, is Nick Kyrgios good for tennis? Jeremy? I think so. I think anything that brings more attention to a sport is a good thing. It's not like he's a criminal or anything. He's just sort of a bit outspoken, and to be honest, he's not necessarily wrong all the time. He's not exactly the most likable guy, but who cares about that? He's a good player. And uh, everybody knows John McEnroe, even if you don't know tennis that well, you've heard the name just because he's famous for freaking out. And uh, I, I like how he's got a rivalry with someone else. You know, it might be from my my lifelong love of wrestling, but you sort of need, not that he's a villain, but sort of a bad guy because it, it, it can be just as fun to cheer against someone as it is to cheer for someone. Yeah, and he, he certainly has uh, had crowds cheering against him uh, more mm-hmm. than once. Uh, Jack, do you concur? I do, completely. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing about John McEnroe. I think it's people love John McEnroe, and he was he was an asshole at times on the court, screaming his head off, throwing his racket around, getting ejected from games for breaking all of his rackets. Like, I think it's great. It's entertainment, and, and sometimes tennis needs a little entertainment. Uh, it's not always the most enjoyable sport to watch. And quite frankly, is he wrong? Is anything he said actually that bad? Like, no. he's actually come out and called them out for the thing that they did that was so massively wrong and maybe said the things that people aren't quite willing to say to someone like Djokovic because he is arguably the best in the world and so so good for him like he's he's made again he's made his decision not to play just like any other people any other sports people in 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 the difference in different sports we've spoken about sorry and he's and he's you know he's had a little dig but I think he's right and uh I, to me, like I, I hadn't heard the comments until you said them just then. I, I thought it was going to be a lot worse than that. I, you know, I applaud him. I think it's great. No, absolutely. And uh, sometimes uh, all news is good news uh, unless you are infecting Europe with COVID-19. And talking of COVID-19, Jeremy, it's time to do the COVID-19 news of the week. And we kick off in the golfing right. world. Uh, and that is that Norwegian uh, Victor Hovland has been driving around the United States between tournaments, uh, racking up uh, over 4,000 miles in a car. Now, CNN reported uh, that he has driven from Oklahoma to Texas, up to South Carolina, uh, South Carolina, onwards to Connecticut, back over west to Michigan, and then down to Ohio. He's currently playing at the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational in Tennessee. Uh, I personally would love to road trip across America. I think most Europeans do. It's kind of a bit of a dream for us, and uh, compared to what we pay on fuel in this country, uh, it's probably cheaper. Jeremy, Victor Hovland. Uh, this is a guy I've just become aware of uh, this year. My brother, who's a much bigger golf fan than me and a much better golfer than me, uh, told me about him, and so we've sort of been following him ever since. I just wanted to read you a quick uh, couple lines that I read in an article about him earlier today on the subject of his cross-country driving. He likes music. He likes driving. He likes music in the car. <laughs> Next line. His English is perfect. His Norwegian is better. He's not a big talker. So thank you, golf.com, for that unbelievable analysis. I know, it would have been much more of a news story if it just went, he, he's, he hates music, and he, in fact, he doesn't even have, he doesn't even have a driving license. So if, if anything, what he's doing is illegal. That would, be a, that would be a news story, not 
yeah, he actually quite likes going for a wee road trip. So yeah, fair play. Mm-hmm. No, that's brilliant. Yes, thank you for that, Jeremy. Yeah, golf.com, they're paying paying their staff well to come up with those articles. Um, Jack, would you like to road trip across America with uh, Victor Hovland and his music? Oh, I'm definitely in. It's better than doing it on a Greyhound bus. Um, <laughs> yeah, amazing. Um, what a way to do it if you're, if you're playing the sport you love, driving around an amazing country at the same time. Good for him. Absolutely. Jeremy? Jack, would you rather tour the country in a Greyhound bus, not knowing how many freaks would be on it, or in a car of your choice, but you have to drive with Garth Crooks? <laughs> oh, I'm taking that bus. <laughs> 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 hey, sometimes the freaks are pretty cool, so uh, I'd rather take the freaks than, uh, than Garth Crooks, 100%. Unless it's the guy with the pen in, in the Greyhound in Canada. We'll not get into Aww. that story. It's pretty grim. Canadians, that's for you. And on that morbid note, let's move on. Talking about crazy folk, there are folk out there who like to watch snooker on TV, Jeremy. <laughs> and uh, there's currently the World Snooker Championship being held at the Crucible in Sheffield. Uh, now, they had fans in attendance. Um, they were one of the first in the UK to do this. This was a trial. Uh, now, they had fans in attendance for one day and one day only. Um, fans turned up and overnight Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, decided it wasn't a good idea and changed the rules. And now the Crucible is in Sheffield. Sheffield is in South Yorkshire. And unfortunately, Yorkshire as an area has seen a spike in our favourite COVID-19. We spoke about it, boys, that we wouldn't feel comfortable going to an indoor arena, whereas we would be more willing to go to an outdoor arena. So, Jack... Uh, well, obviously, it was far too early to be bringing people back into uh, into a sporting event, uh, particularly when it's snooker, which does quite often attract older people who are more susceptible to this illness. Yeah, it's a very small room as well. Um, it's it's all very close quarters uh, in in the in the hall, I guess you call it, um, with snooker. It, it didn't doesn't sound like a great idea to me. Um, in the first place, like you said, that part of uh, basically the northwest of England has seen that spike, and um, hopefully that means now they'll delay it a little bit longer. As as I said last week, I, I don't think it's a very good idea at all. Jeremy, do you you ever anticipate what uh, ever anticipate watching live snooker on TV? On TV, no. However, I would go to it for sure. I think the same people who go see live snooker are the ones riding around with the greyhound uh, with Jack. So. <laughs> Probably not the best place to be at the moment, or ever. Actually, you know what? No, there's no way I would go or watch it. That's my answer. <laughs> the uh, the classic that Belfast one eighty. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, once again, the script writes itself. What I did enjoy from this uh, episode at the World uh, Snooker Championship is uh, potentially the headline of the year that came from the Telegraph newspaper here in the UK, and the headline is as follows. Stuart Bingham blames sanitized balls for struggles in crucible opener. So God bless. Uh, God bless Stuart Bingham. And uh, yeah, maybe he should speak to old uh, ambassador for Denmark, Dick Sweat on that one. <laughs> Boys, as always a cracking new segment, lots to, lots to get through, which we did, uh, which we did nicely. So that was good fun. Jack, before we go on to our first segment of the day, though, please take the floor. Uh, just a, an important news story that has been drawn, uh, well, has drawn my attention um, regarding 
Ross County, who we've obviously spoken about a little bit today. Um, I'm just going to read this snippet out for you. It's very important. I feel like we needed to discuss this. So Ross County boss Stuart Kettlewell last night welcomed Celtic keeper Ross Duhan and warned he faces a fight for the gloves. Duhan yesterday sealed his one-year loan move to the Staggies, where he will compete with Ross Laidlaw and the youngster... (laughs) And the youngster... Ross Munro for the number one spot. So Ross County have three goalkeepers called Ross. Oh, that is Just, brilliant. That is brilliant. It, that thoroughly tickled me. Um, we'll be phoning up Ross Barkley and uh, hoping to get Jack Ross in as the new manager mm. anytime soon. Yeah, Ross County have history for, for um, situa- scenarios like this in which they inadvertently managed to become a bit of a laughing stock because uh, once Ross County had to put out a press release to say that everyone uh, who wanted to buy tickets for an upcoming game would need to go to the ticket office because they had accidentally deleted their own website. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, this wasn't in, like, 1998. This was about two years ago. Um, But to be fair, Ross County, uh, for for, uh, those who don't know where Ross County uh, play, they play in Dingwall. Dingwall is in the Scottish Highlands. (laughs) I grew up in the Scottish Highlands. and Trust me, uh, they really don't know how to work technology up there. Jeremy. Uh, who wins a triple threat style tag team match? The three goaltender Rosses or the three Garths we talked about last week? I don't know, but I think we need to. We do need a Royal Rumble to decide the, to decide that one. Hopefully, your dad. Okay. Hopefully, your dad's buddy doesn't bring a golf cart though, because otherwise, the three Rosses have got a hell of a handicap there. All right, well, uh, J- uh, Jack, honestly, thank you for making us aware of that. Uh, we, you know, from, from all of us at all our teams, we really wish Ross County and the three Rosses all the best for the upcoming <laughs> season. All right, boys, let's jump into our first official segment of the night. Uh, we are going to talk about trades or signings that should or shouldn't have happened. And we have called it Sign Me Maybe. So, you know, come sue us. Jack, as always... Me and Jeremy haven't a clue what you're going to say, so please kick us off. Yeah, uh, name of the century, Ricky van Wolfswinkel. Striker who was signed for, as always, my beloved Norwich City uh, in 2013. Um, What a fucking shit show that was. Uh, They signed him for apparently around 10 million euros, whatever that ends up being in pounds um what a horrendous waste of money for norwich having just been promoted needing to to have a striker that was going to come in score some goals and make that difference between relegation and just about surviving and he scored one (laughs) and it was in the first game that he played one goal 25 premier league appearances one goal and uh the most frustrating thing about him as a player, um, and I, I I don't actually resent him in any way for this, uh, is that he we we signed him from from Sporting Lisbon, and he scored fourteen goals two seasons in a row for them in the top league in Portugal, also playing in Europe. Uh, he then went on to leave us uh, eventually uh, to Vitesse. Please forgive me for any terrible pronunciation of that team name in Holland or the Netherlands I should say um, where he scored 20 goals he now plays for Basel in the Swiss League where he has scored over 10 goals 
each season he's played. So he's not a bad player. My blame goes to Chris Hewton, the manager who is massively, massively overrated in my eyes, where he played him as a solo striker and he scored one goal. Um, played him over a, a striker who, Ali, you'll maybe know a little better, uh, Gary Hooper, who had obviously a very successful career with Celtic, um, scoring goals against the some of the elite of uh, of European football at times, um, who should have had his opportunity and did not. Um, yeah, just signed the wrong guy, I think. So the, the signing should have never happened. And the amount of money that they spent, they probably could have got players uh, with more, at least, English football experience. Um, so I do blame the manager. But with a name like Ricky Van Wolfsinkel, um, <laughs> you should probably be scoring more than one goal. Uh, in your first season in the Premier League, I like this notion that you know they they just literally signed the wrong guy, <laughs> like just just picked just thought they thought they knew who they were <laughs> signing, and then this guy turned up and they went, ah shit, that's that's not who we were. Yeah. That's oh well. And also with a name like that, what a shambles for the guy who's having to print the name on the back of the jersey. I mean that is a <laughs> that is a complete shit show. Uh, yes, uh, well no one goal. That's not ideal if you are a striker. Very David Vanacek life uh, like uh, Jeremy. Sign me maybe. So mine's less uh, one signing than a series of trades that had sort of a domino effect on the league. So in 2007, the Boston Celtics traded for both Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett creating the first what would become known as the big three, the first modern version anyway, and sort of the creation of super teams in the NBA. Uh, Boston went on to win one title with the big three of uh, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce. Uh, as these guys started to get older, Boston's success started to fall off, and uh, both Pierce and Garnett were traded to Brooklyn, where they would eventually beat the Raptors in the playoffs. Uh so you're starting to think, okay, this team's gone. The league will start to be more even again. No, LeBron signs with Miami. Chris Bosh signs with Miami. Another big three there that would go on to be in the finals for four straight years. Eventually, LeBron James leaves the Miami Heat and goes back to Cleveland. Parody again in the league. No, the Golden State Warriors emerge as a team. Uh, they have success like never seen before. They win a record amount of games just to have Kevin Durant join them the next year, creating yet another super team. And at that point, the league sort of just became less interesting. It wasn't who is going to win the finals this year. It's who's going to play the Heat in the finals. Who's going to play the Warriors in the finals. And that's just something that just makes the league a little less exciting. You go back in time a little bit and you look at guys like Michael Jordan, who would never have dreamt of signing with a rival team in order to just win a title. They wanted to beat the best guys. They wanted to prove that they were the best in the league. And that has sort of gotten away a little bit in the NBA. Right now, there aren't any huge big threes. There's a couple big twos. You've got Paul George and Kawhi teaming up in L.A. Um, and you've got Anthony Davis and LeBron on the other L.A. team. But parity is a little bit back to normal. You've got two stars in Milwaukee. You've got two all-stars in Toronto. So we're heading in a direction we want, which is a good thing, in my opinion. A few examples when this didn't work recently were the Lakers when they acquired... Dwight Howard and Steve Nash. Nothing came from that as Nash got hurt right away and Dwight Howard and Kobe clashed very hard. Houston tried again with James Harden, Chris Paul, and Carmelo Anthony. Obviously, that didn't work out either. So this is all to say that I hope the NBA gets back to a point where players not necessarily stay on the teams that drafted them, 
but where they don't go to teams just to team up with other absolute superstars to win titles. Jeremy, I think uh, you you failed to mention another NBA power couple, which of course is uh, Phoenix Suns, uh, Frank Kaminsky and DeAndre Ayton, who will, as we know, take Phoenix to a title. Uh, no, yeah, um, it's it's such good points there. You know, teams that are that that just dominated because guys, well, you know, Kevin Durant stands out. Um, mm-hmm. Quick segue: Do you think Kevin Garnett will buy the Minnesota Timberwolves? I hope so. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. So, Jeremy, of those examples you gave us, which which was your least favorite, or which would be the least favorite within the league? Oh, Durant going to the Warriors, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Literally the best. I mean, they lost in the finals that year. They should have lost to Oklahoma City in the previous round. But they they were the best team ever, statistically, and then they added a guy that you could say is the absolute best in the league at that time. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely, definitely. I think the reaction to Durant was... Uh, was uh, pretty uh, on par across the board. Well, I mean, he all like he instantly uh, ended up forgetting to sign out of his or sorry, sign into his burner Twitter account. So he just started uh, he started answering people on Twitter, not realizing that he was answering from his official Twitter account. So that was good. Hey, this exactly. hey, this guy's Hope great. So. It's like yeah, well, I know it's you, Kevin. You're tell it's you. you. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, no, Jeremy, that is a very good point. Yeah, as uh, you heard earlier, I don't like when. Uh, Teams just buy all the best players mm-hmm. and then win it, uh, boys. I thought I would. That's what made uh, me think of, yeah. yeah, I thought I would look uh, a, a little bit different, and this is actually a signing that didn't happen, but I wish did, and that was my beloved Tottenham Hotspur signing the Brazilian legend Rivaldo. Now, back in two thousand and two, Daniel Levy <laughs> and my beloved Tottenham Hotspur actively pursued the attacking midfielder and Brazilian legend. Now, Rivaldo who had been on the books with Barcelona, had just won the 2002 World Cup in South Korea. Rivaldo had stated he did want to play in England, he wanted to play in the Premier League, and that he was um, a big fan of London as a city. He he could see himself moving there. Unfortunately, in classic all-our-teams and Tottenham Hotspur style, he instead signed for then... Italian Giants and now modern-day bottlers AC Milan. Now, in 2002, Spurs had a midfield outfit of the brittle-boned Darren Anderton, the aging Gus Poyet, Cheeky Chap, Jamie Redknapp, and up front we had uh, Serhi Rebrov, uh, England legend uh, Teddy Sheringham, and Norwegian Spurs legend Stefan Iverson, who at that time had fallen out of interest with actually scoring goals, much like... Jack's man at Norwich. Rivaldo would have obviously been an upgrade from Stefan Iverson, but if I'm being honest, I wish this had gone through because I just think it would have been bloody cool for Tottenham Hotspur to to be able to have said that they had once had Rivaldo on their books. Now, this is a guy who maybe doesn't ring anything special with kids these days, but in 98-2002 World Cup, these were Brazil teams that had names that every kid wanted to have on the back of their jersey. He was playing alongside the likes of Fat Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, Roberto Carlos, Denilson, Edmilson. The Brazil team was the team to watch. Uh, they were, even when they lost, people people wanted to watch them. Um, so yeah, uh, my, mine was just very plain and simple. Is I just wish I could buy a Spurs retro top that's got Rivaldo on the back. And I think, as I said 
earlier, um, you know, Spurs were a team that were finishing anywhere between 9th and 14th. We were nothing special. And uh, yeah, it would have been a coup for Spurs to have got Rivaldo. So very quick one on Brazilian legend Rivaldo not signing for Spurs. I wish he had. And uh, yeah, the rest, is, as they say, is history. Any thoughts on that, Jack? <laughs> well, my main point that I need to make at this uh, at this stage is uh, it's great that you brought up Brazil at this time Ali as something that we we uh, have been pulled up for missing last week is that um, Jeremy's beloved Cowden Beef FC are actually known as the Blue Brazil so um, they are. now you can embrace Cowden Beef as your team knowing that they are nowhere near <laughs> like watching brazil but they're the blue version yeah so that's whatever that means it's my that's favorite great. color yeah well ugh, fuck um other than that i mean it would have been cool to see him playing in the premier league um may well have uh boosted some shirt sales and uh you know you could have made tottenham a better team but i don't think one player would have changed it which just would have been pretty cool though at that time 2002 Pretty much hated the guy, uh, as obviously that Brazil team knocked England out of what was a very good chance of winning the World Cup. So, fuck him. And as a Scotsman, well done, Rivaldo. Jeremy. Yeah, having never heard that name before, all I could think of was you wanted to buy Ronaldo, but you went to the discount shop and they said, we don't have Ronaldo, <laughs> but we do have Rivaldo. <laughs> and then Norwich came along right at the end of the sale and they went, actually, we've only got this guy with a really long name. So, sorry about that. Exactly. Trust me, Rivaldo was not a poor man's Ronaldo. He was, uh, he was, he was a phenomenal player in his day. Um, but here, here we are. Spurs still haven't got a trophy since two thousand and seven. He didn't sign in two thousand and two, and Cowden Beath are called the Blue Brazil, and nobody knows why. So, boys, that was cracking. Let's move on to our second segment of the night, and it's the return of the fantastically named Who You. They won't become Freddy Adu. For those who have not listened to us before, in this segment we will name a player, a team, a coach who we think will be the future of the sport. Jeremy, why don't you start us off on this one? So last time we did this, I did uh, college quarterback Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson, and I'm sticking with the same theme, and I probably will do the same if we go again because there's one more player I have in mind. But this is Trey Lance, who plays quarterback for North Dakota State University. Now, this team's an FCS team. What that means is they don't play in the highest level of college football, uh, being FBS. This is formerly known as Division Two to FBS's Division One. Now, as a prospect from FCS, basically you, you need to be the best player on the field. Everyone watching needs to know, like, this guy deserves to be in a better league. And that's absolutely the case with Trey Lance. Uh, I spent some of last night and a lot of this morning just watching his highlights on YouTube because... Obviously, North Dakota State games are not shown on TV very often. Uh, Carson Wentz, who plays quarterback for the Eagles to a lot of success, is from the school, so they can have uh, players come out of them and make the league. This guy won Offensive Player of the Year for the entire league. He had threw for 28 touchdowns and a whopping zero interceptions on the entire year. Uh, <clears throat> he also ran for 1,100 yards, which is good for a running back, and he plays quarterback going along with 14 touchdowns. When I watched him, the main takeaway I had is he reminds me a lot of Russell Wilson. He's a lot taller at 6'3", to Wilson's 5'10", or 5'11", or whatever he is, but his scrambling ability and improvising ability are both very similar to Wilson. The pocket would collapse, he'd get out of it, run around a little bit, and chuck an absolute bomb down the field. 
Now, the competition he's facing is not the highest level, but his throws, and especially deep throws, are still in the perfect place. And that doesn't matter who you're facing when your throw is that perfect. As I mentioned the last time we did this, Trevor Lawrence is going into the year as the number one rated prospect for the draft. However, the guy who's gone in as that rating the last few years has not been per- has not been picked first. Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and Joe Burrow went first in the last three drafts. None of them were the top-rated quarterback prospect coming into the year. So Trey Lance absolutely has a shot to be the first guy taken if you're looking for an improviser more than a sort of traditional pocket passer like Trevor Lawrence. So for anyone who hasn't seen him, which I'm going to guess is absolutely everybody listening to this podcast, uh, I highly suggest go just watch a two-minute clip of his on YouTube and you'll be blown away. So Jeremy, as as we do know, I know near near on nothing about college football, uh, hence the old uh, Cliff Kingsbury Johnny Football debacle from a couple of episodes ago. Um, but yeah, Trey Lance. So if he could be ba- playing for a better college team, is it just a situation that he got he was given a, a scholarship uh, with with North Dakota, and it turned out he was a lot better than people thought? Or exactly, yeah, he's from Minnesota, which isn't a football powerhouse state. Uh, the University of Minnesota is actually as good as they've ever been when I've been watching college football right now, but they'd be among the best teams in the country if he was their quarterback, so they really missed out on not offering him a scholarship. So Trey Lance, one to watch. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Sounds like a dynasty pickup. That's right. Brilliant. Well, I look forward to Jack picking him up and then him immediately opting out. Uh, Jack, <laughs> on that note, who is your not Freddie Adu? Uh, we've already spoken about him today, um, Eddie Howe. So he's obviously in a bit of a strange position right now. Um, he's got a, a pretty good uh, CV in my eyes. He's he's obviously gone through absolute hell with uh, Bournemouth from start to middle, really. Um, they you know in two thousand and nine they were in League Two and they started with a seventeen point deficit, and he saved them. They survived in the English Football League, which is absolutely incredible. No one does that. It's, it's, yeah, unheard of, apart from in Bournemouth's situation. And I believe they won on the last day of the season to survive, which is mind-blowing. Um, he's obviously then taken them up, had their, his small uh, breakaway to go and manage Burnley, where he he basically left to go back because he said that that's where he, his heart it felt like he he wanted to be and and that was the right move for him and he's gotten them up he's gotten Bournemouth to be a steady Premier League team which is it's crazy he's he's at, he's at an age where the game is 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 his oyster to use that terminology um he's incredibly talented his teams play amazing football um all he needs is the support Bournemouth is such a small club that he was never really going to get the support for him to become the manager that he could truly become. I really think that he will be, once he gets given the opportunity at a club that can provide him with money, can provide him with facilities to be able to train his players, to be able to bring through exactly what he wants out of a player, he could be the manager we talk about in 60 years' time once he's retired that changed the future for a team or, you know, in, in, the, in a way like Alex Ferguson did not, I'm not going to say he's going to be Alex Ferguson, but he could be that good to alter a team's future. No one takes teams from the bottom, the true, true bottom and brings them all the way up to the top 
and keeps them that consistently ever, really. No one seems to... It, it's such a rare feat. So I think that Eddie Howe really can be the man. The position that he's in now, he's he's basically got the opportunity to take on any club that wants him and a lot of clubs are going to want him. Hopefully he gets a club that's going to be able to provide what he needs to be able to take that next step and he could be, you know, eventually move on to international. I think the guy's going to win a lot of trophies, the guy's going to win a lot of leagues and he could eventually move on to World Cups. I would love to see him, the England manager, once Southgate decides to step down and um, yeah, I think Eddie Howe is going to be a name that we talk about for a lot of years. Um as we go forward with uh, with football. Yeah, uh, Eddie Howe was, a couple of years ago, uh, touted with potentially replacing Pochettino at Spurs, so he was certainly thought highly at uh, that side of things. Yeah, I think he'll... I, I agree. I think Howe will get a new job, and I think he will uh, He will grow into... Uh, and has potential to, to really become a, uh, a top-named manager. You're brought to our attention there Bournemouth surviving on the last game of the season by winning it and it reminded me of the story of Carlisle United uh, who were uh, in what is now known as League 2 they're seconds away from being relegated when their on loan goalkeeper the fantastically named Jimmy Glass ran up from his own goals (laughs) into the opposition box headed the ball it went in and with literally a second on the clock left, he saved Carlisle United from being relegated out of the Football League. So shout out, as we like to do, to Jimmy Glass, whatever you're doing now. Um, cleaning, probably. <laughs> Sometimes I just... It's verbal diarrhea. Honestly, I, I, I have a problem. Uh, but yes, Jack, I completely agree. I think uh, Eddie Howe will go places. Um, boys, I'm going to name a team... It's a team I have mentioned before, and uh, this won't help our viewers because it's a podcast, but you boys will see. I am wearing the snapback. It's uh, the Murrayfield Racers. Now, I have previously mentioned that the Racers are are in existence. They've replaced the once-beloved Edinburgh Capitals. But the reason I bring them up again is because I believe that in the next decade, the Murrayfield Racers are going to achieve things. And by achieve things, I mean they're going to get professional status. So the Racers were founded in uh, 2018 by Scottish hockey legend uh, Tony Hand and his brother. They attempted to apply for the Elite League Hockey, also known as the EIHL, but they were uh, declined entry, uh, I imagine, because their books didn't look too great at the time. Now, this is a team that dominates the Scottish National League, the SNL. Um, We by far have the biggest budget of amateur hockey. Um, But I think that the racers will... Because of Tony Hand's status and because of the the because of the racers having a lot of financial backers, that I do think the Murrayfield Racers will get into the EIHL and then just spend the entire time at the bottom of the league. But at least it will be professional, and we'll get guys from Canada, guys from the Czech Republic, guys from Russia, from Belarus coming over and playing like they used to do with the Edinburgh Capitals. Now I hope this happens. Because I like to refer to the racers, I used to do it with with the Caps, um, as Edinburgh's other team. And by that I mean everybody in Edinburgh forgets that they exist. Everybody knows Hearts, everybody knows Hibs, Edinburgh City, Edinburgh Rugby. But everybody forgets that that we have ice hockey in in Edinburgh and and it's a bloody great time going to watch them. Um, we've We've had professional hockey since the 1950s, basically until the Edinburgh Capitals um, went defunct two years ago. Um, 
So yes, am I anticipating the Murrayfield uh, racers taking over Europe? Absolutely not. I support them. That's never going to happen. But I do think in the next decade we'll see us um, back up in the pro leagues uh, being beaten 8-0 by Cardiff Devils, and I cannot wait. <laughs> so that's my that's my shout-out. The Murrayfield racers will not be Freddie Adu, unless we go bust in about two years, and that's embarrassing for us all. <laughs> Boys... Let's end as we do each week with our favourite segment. It's top threes. Jeremy, Jack, who would like to kick us off? All right, I'll take it away. So, um, first of all, I need to I need to do a shout out, as we seem to be doing a lot now. Apologies to Russell Holt, who I accidentally called <laughs> Rob um, in the previous pod when I was explaining that during his time at West Bromwich Albion, he filmed a porno. Um, so Russell Holt, please don't get that wrong. And it also sounded a little bit like Rob Hulse, who was also a, a player at that time. So please don't confuse the two. One of them's good at it. One of them's not. Um, top threes. First of all, uh, we haven't introduced top threes to explain what the topic is. <laughs> no, we never do. We just we just normally just go top threes. One of us says Garth Crooks and then we end the show. Uh, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking at my notes and I can't remember what it actually was. So people yeah, so this this week it's, it's yeah. So so this week our top threes are people who'd make great cardboard cutouts, you know, in crowds and stadiums. It, we've taken this from the Leeds United Osama bin Laden shambles. Right. So <laughs> my first one is uh, is uh, Billy Connolly, largely because a lot of his career has been spent being. Running around naked with purple hair, a purple beard, and purple pubes. I don't want to see that shit. <laughs> um, secondly, is <laughs> a swan. I'm fucking shit scared of swans. If I'm trying to take a penalty and there's a swan in the crowd, <laughs> even if it's a cardboard cutout of a swan. Nope. And finally, naturally, Garth Crooks. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be uh, you'd be missing that penalty on purpose. <laughs> Fucking too right. <laughs> Jeremy. So for my top three, I've started with Idi Amin. He's the former president <laughs> of Uganda. He apparently <laughs> believed himself to be Scottish for some reason. And in my research, I found out that he had 43 children and was rumored to have, uh, this is my favorite part, dabbled <laughs> in cannibalism. Oh, my God. oh, God. I believe he was from Cowden Beef. Number two, I went with Randy from Trailer Park Boys, just because I think it would be hilarious to look up and see his massive gut. Uh, and also a shout out to Ali's sister, who is apparently a big fan of the show. And number three, I decided to go with Mighty Joe Young, uh, just because I would enjoy looking up and seeing a gorilla in the stands. And while there may be more popular gorillas out there, Mighty Joe has always been a favorite of mine. So you've gone for Cannibal Idi Amin. <laughs> a member of Trailer Park Boys <laughs> and Mighty Joe. <laughs> oh, Osama Bin Laden would be Leeds's least problem. Oh, that is brilliant. And uh, actually, to be fair, Randy was a last-minute replacement <laughs> for Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> substitute (laughs) (laughs) 
Brilliant. Oh, that is fantastic. Brilliant. Well, we hope that all of them end up in the stands. That is brilliant. Well, my three. Uh, <laughs> I've gone for uh, WWE legend Kane because, quite frankly, that is one of the most off-putting masks the world can ever see. My second one, Jack and our viewers from the UK, our listeners, sorry, from the UK will know this one. Jeremy, I will need you to Google this, but it's... um, I've gone for Mr. Blobby. I've gone for <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Blobby from uh, Saturday Night TV. So, Jeremy, if you could just uh, Google Mr. Blobby. That's B-L-O-B-B-Y. I'd like him to be in the stand. <laughs> This is this was this used to be a character on on a game show at like seven o'clock on a Saturday night that just really <laughs> oh fantastic and then um, finally I. Uh, I, I substitute. I just put this one in too, not for Leah Harvey Oswald, just because I didn't have another one. But I've just put. Uh, I'd like uh, Ross County just to fill their stand full of just guys called Ross. So that's uh, that's the third one there. Um, but boys, uh, once again, a brilliant, uh, brilliant episode. As as always, it started out so professional and it just crumbled into cannibalism and Lee Harvey Oswald. But. We're, uh, we're we're just so grateful for everybody listening. Um, we're on Spotify, Apple Pods, Castbox, you you name it. If it if it hosts a podcast, we're there. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're at, at all our teams. Please keep telling people you love. Tell people you hate um, as well. Fuck it. Maybe you, maybe you think this is terrible. So tell them to listen. That'll be good. Um, please, uh, yeah, uh, hit us up on our social media. We have had people messaging. Um, and that's that's just brilliant. So thank you. Um, so yes, Jack Green, thank you and good night. Good night. Thank you very much. Jeremy Curo, thank you and good night. Thanks, boys. Good one. Talk to you soon. I've been Mr. Blobby and I'm off to a strip club with Lou Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say when you just said like... <laughs> he just put him in as a late substitute oh, for Lee Harvey Oswald. Like, oh, I couldn't breathe. <laughs> okay, well, right. Uh, good job, guys. Uh, good night, Jack Green, and uh, good night, Jeremy. We ask sports to sign me, maybe. I'm just uh, sitting here on my own, so I just thought I'd tell you uh, the story of the time that I attended my PE class at school, that's physical education, uh, with no shorts on. I unfortunately forgot to forgot to put them on and just turned up in my pants. And uh, for North Americans out there, that's underwear. So, yeah, that was embarrassing. Hey, my underwears. What am I from, Brooklyn, Jack? Bye! That's what my parents called me when I was born. The surprise. Just, that could be me. I could be that bellend. Breathing's overrated. No, I was just self-deprecating and then passing on. <laughs> What a what a name of an I of a fucking autobiography that would be. <laughs> the Washington Sea Dogs. What the fuck? Sorry, my like Google Home thing's just gone off. Jeremy, Jack, Jack, Jeremy. I keep on saying a porn. It's like that Family Guy episode where there's like ah, they filmed a porn. <laughs>